We are entering into week six in our look at renovation of the heart. And we are taking our time in these final weeks to talk about a very important ingredient to that kind of transformation, and that is redemptive conversations. We learn in Ephesians 4 that the way we are formed in every way into him who is the head, even Christ, very important ingredient to that is to speak the truth in love. And last week we mentioned that that brings up three challenges for us. First of all, how do we really know when we've landed on what is truth, especially when we've learned through the first half of this series how much our perception of what's true, other than Christ and eternal truths, our perception of what's true about each other, about life, even about ourselves, is skewed by our brokenness, by the voices in our head that are telling us a story that is our own invention. How do we even see truth? Secondly, how do we go about sharing that truth? When? In what context? And then finally, if we are the recipients of those words, how do we hear it? Maybe the hardest thing of all. But all of that has to take place if we are going to be fully formed followers of Jesus Christ. And churches notoriously fail at this level of conversation. In fact, we've all been hurt. We've all been wounded by people who think they have the right and make the judgment call to speak and pronounce things about us. And so the whole thought of it scares us. So how do we go there? And how do we as a church become a place where we can be truly authentic with one another in its appropriate levels? How in this corporate, very public gathering do we speak authentically? How in our life groups and then in our accountability, in our marriages, in our friendships? Authenticity ought to permeate the whole community of faith, but various levels of intimacy allow for deeper truth speaking. Does that make sense to you? So today we are going to talk about that part of redemptive communication that's, I think, the hardest for most of us, and that is authentic listening. I'll admit there are times that I find listening to people very difficult. Does anybody else uh, want to admit that? Okay. I guarantee that by the end of today, all of your hands will be up because listening is one of the most broken things in the human nature. I can't prove this in Scripture, but I think that's something that Satan knows is one of his greatest tools to divide Christians. I think Satan works real hard to amplify that voice in our head. Now, Satan's not omnipresent. I don't believe there's enough demons in the world for all of us to have a spiritual being speaking into our ears. I'm not trying to make this bigger than it is, but I want to tell you, when churches have conflict, the spiritual forces that we do battle with are at work amplifying, in particular, our inability to hear each other. So what I'm going to share with you today, I think, is not just practical, it's not just about your relationships, it's not just about good communication. I think we're talking about how to counter one of the greatest attacks of the enemy of the church. This is about you and I learning to listen in a way that is life 
giving. So let me just remind you where we have come from, James 1, verse 19. Take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What we've noted is that by nature, we do exactly the opposite of this. We emotionally engage immediately when something happens that makes us uncomfortable, that makes us frustrated. That word anger carries all of that idea of an unsettledness in our emotion. That that's the first thing that responds because our minds work so quickly. Our heart jumps way out in front of the words that are being spoken. So we respond first emotionally, and then our speaking is determined by the need to fix that that's frustrated in us. And we very rarely get around to listening except to defend our stance. James says, no, we need to reverse the process that otherwise is second nature to us. And then we saw how Eugene Peterson translated this in the message. Let's say this together. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. And let anger struggle along in the rear. And that's the challenge for us today. How do I learn to lead with my ears so that when I do speak, I'm actually speaking humbly and and with understanding and wisdom. So the first thing we want to talk about is the importance of listening. First of all, listening leads to understanding. Do you remember this from last week? My mind works like a hundred times faster than you can possibly talk. And so I'm at the end of what you're going to say before you say, yeah, but. The problem is you don't really understand what's going on in someone's heart, and you don't even fully understand what's going on in your heart and why you're reacting the way you are. So the ability to let somebody fully express and communicate their feelings is critical, first of all, to understanding. Second, listening gives comfort and care. One of the hardest things for me to learn, and I'm going to speak very generally here, broad strokes about the difference between men and women, so please forgive me. I know there are exceptions to this. I'm just talking about my own experience with the sparling women. I love all of them. It's Valentine's Day. Can I declare my unending love to my wife and my two daughters? They're, they're amazing. But, you know, for the... <laughs> See what you did there. You've already got a story made up, and all I said was, but. Ah, When they share something that's going on, and they're very hurt about it, my tendency is to try to solve or to help, because when I see someone that I love emotionally stressed, I want to help. But the problem is, they don't want me to fix their situation. In fact, they are smart and intelligent human beings and know the very things I'd want to say to them. They're not looking for me to fix or pronounce. They're looking for me to care. They they want the comfort of knowing that the person who's in their life cares that this is impacting them. Listening is what communicates that comfort and care, not fixing. The third thing that listening communicates is value and worth. If we're not learning to pause and let someone speak, we're saying to them, my opinion, my time is more important to me 
than you are. And the fourth thing is that listening creates intimacy. Remember the word for communication is not about education or passing on information. The word communication is at its heart communing with someone. God calls you into communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with your husbands, wives, your parents, your, your classmates, your workmates. Now, if you're wired like me, I'm going to blame this on being a middle child. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I have a desperate need to be understood. I will find myself in a setting where things are going wrong saying, let me explain. If you just hear me out, it'll solve everything. And when I do that, I am putting my priorities in between me and the listener. How many of you would admit at times you're that kind of listener? All right. You are actually creating distance in your relationship. The person is just going to stop coming to you about their feelings. So you're breaking the intimacy that we're meant to have in the relationship. Because of all these things, how we listen really does speak volumes. So with that in mind, we want to work towards authentic listening. And we'll start by talking about counterfeit listening, ways that most of us think we're listening but actually aren't. I'm targeting those of you that in particular have sat through these last couple weeks and think, I'm really glad Pastor Tom's hitting this for everyone else. (laughs) I know how to listen. I I let people speak. I'm, I'm good at letting people speak. Well, letting someone talk is very different than listening. Most of us listen through our brokenness and have one of several biases in terms of how we're responding to what we're hearing. And it it may mean that we're letting somebody talk, but we're not listening. The first way that we're going to call counterfeit listening is defending. That's when I listen mostly with this idea in mind, not me. Wasn't me that caused this. When you listen defensively, you hear even a passive comment as a subtle accusation. Somebody says, Well, the garage door was left open. Your first thought is, I didn't do it. Because you presume it's an accusation. Many of us, in fact, most of us at some point or another, listen defensively and immediately want to make the person know that we didn't mean what they think we meant or we weren't a part of what took place, our response in some way communicates, wasn't me, I didn't do it. The second way we think we're listening but aren't is by comparing. It's the me too way of listening. My mind is categorizing all the experiences I have had that are similar to yours. And then I'm going to pick the one that's actually better than yours. (laughs) And I'm going to say, I know exactly how you feel. Or you think that was something. Let me tell you this. Do you really think that communicates to somebody that you care about them or even understand what they're going through? No, you're actually dismissing their experience and replacing it with yours. How selfish is that really? Think about that. 
And yet how common is that type of listening? The third way that we think we're listening but aren't is something I've already addressed a little bit, and that's advising, listening to fix. If defending says, not me, if comparing says, me too, advising says, do this. It's listening with the idea that this person needs me to solve their problem. I have had to come to terms with the fact that when I do that, I am being foolish and arrogant to think that adult people haven't thought of most of the stuff that I've thought about. Have you tried this? Well, you need to say that. You need to go and do this. In your mind, fixing it is the most important thing. But what most people want is not for you to tell them what to do. Just to advise is not really listening and is in some ways selfish and presumptive. A fourth way that people think they're listening but aren't is judging. Judging listens to a person and constantly assesses whether we agree with them or not, whether we approve of them or not, based on what they're saying and how they're acting. Judging says, you are. Our response is influenced by that judgment. We're constantly listening to evaluate or to give approval or disapproval of someone. Some people do this so naturally that you don't even know that you're doing it. And it's why your relationships are as screwed up as they are. You ever seen those demotivation posters? There was one that said, did you ever think that the weakest link in all your relationships is you? These things that we do when we think that we're listening make us the weakest link in our relationships. We're not listening. We're just letting a person talk. And we think that's a win. But it's not. So how do we go deeper? How do we learn to really listen in a way that's godly, that represents James' exhortation to lead with our ears? And so that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of this time, how to listen and learn what we refer to as active listening or redemptive listening. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, say this with me. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way we fulfill the law of Christ. So one of the goals of active redemptive listening is to enter in and to share in the concerns and burdens of our brothers and sisters. Not to judge whether it's worthy to be carried and shared or whether it's right. One of the main goals of listening is to come alongside and pick up the emotional load that someone is feeling. And the only way I can do that is to listen well so that I can enter into it. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Another verse from Romans chapter 12. Say this with me. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. One of the real important gifts that we give people when we practice redemptive listening is that we share in their joys. 
we are celebrating with them. And when they're mourning, whether we make a value judgment of the worthiness of that pain, that doesn't matter. We're going to enter into that pain and mourn with them. All right, so with that in mind, I'm going to talk about helpful steps towards active listening. And the first is to focus totally on the other person. In the day and age of texting and Facebooking and Snapchatting, if I really want to practice redemptive communication, I need to focus on that person. Let me just tell you, if you want to be this kind of listener, put your phone down, make eye contact, face the person in an open way, don't fold your arms, don't let your face react even though your mouth isn't. <laughs> just give the person your complete attention. It's worth, so worth it for the communion that's going to take place. Second, yes, I'm going to say this in church, shut up. Don't react. If I really want to gain understanding, I need to be, as James says, slow to speak, which actually means reluctant to speak, rather than so quick to open my mouth. Don't react. Let someone speak. Here's when this is hard. When someone is saying things that hit you emotionally, when they're saying things that you believe are not true about yourself or the situation or even the previous conversation, in your heart you go, wow, I gotta fix this, I gotta correct that, I have to defend this. When, when that happens, your response is going to actually hurt understanding. So shut up. Don't speak until you can guarantee the fact that your emotions haven't taken control of your response. Don't speak except to ask to understand more fully. Don't speak until you can articulate what the other person is trying to express to you. Proverbs 18.13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shameful. Now, I want to just take a moment and address one way that our spiritual practices can become abuse, that people will say, well, God gave me a message for you. Let me say something. I believe that the Holy Spirit does that. I believe it's extremely rare. And the people that I know that actually are given a word from the Lord are usually quite humble about how they communicate it. I've experienced people speaking into my life that I knew without a doubt that God was speaking to me. But it's typically not the person that walks up to me and says, God told me this. Here it is. Bang! <laughs> I mean, who can argue with God? If you really want to win a conversation, say, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I, I want to caution against that. I'm not cautioning against listening to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us and learning to speak that humbly and truthfully to one another. But boy, do we take advantage of that in, in certain circles of the church. It's why here, 
the way I would encourage us to go about this is to say, I believe God's laid something on my heart. May I share it? And we're going to talk next week about the ingredients to speaking truth that make it loving and effective and not biased by our own brokenness. All right, to answer before listening, that is folly and shameful. So, stop it. (laughs) Point three, enter into their feelings. When we did our Sermon on the Mount study, we addressed the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And do you remember how we defined the Greek word for merciful? To enter into a person's experience, to view the circumstance and the situation as though you were seeing it through their eyes and then acting accordingly to enter into that person's perspective and then let that inform how you respond to them and to their need and to the overall situation. This is an application of that idea of being among the merciful. Let me use a political and cultural hot button to talk about this. The whole Black Lives Matter thing. Boy, is that a a hot button. Go on Facebook and see how it has brought up our lingering cultural and racial issues and how offended Christians get at other Christians that say this is an issue worth looking into. Most of us are not really pausing to enter into the other side on that issue. To be merciful, I want to tell you, if you were to enter into the circumstance of African Americans in America and African-American students who are fighting for what they're still experiencing in terms of prejudice, you would not mock, you would not put out on Facebook, blue lives matter and all lives matter and white lives matter too, because you would understand that there's something going on deep in the hearts of these young men and women that is worth being loved and understood and addressed. It's an example of how we are without mercy. We are arrogant and we are not truly listening in the name of Jesus. Enter into their feelings. Look at uh, this verse from Proverbs 20. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but a person of understanding draws them out. What somebody's really feeling isn't in just the words that are spoken, but they're deep in their heart. They're in deep waters. And a person of real understanding draws them out, seeks to enter into and uh, be a part of that. And then a fourth step towards active listening is to confirm what you've heard. Confirm what you've heard before you offer your opinion. I want to encourage all of us, if we're really trying to have redemptive conversation, before we share our own thoughts, to echo what we think we've heard. In other words, this is what I think I've heard you say. And then we say what we think we've heard and say, am I right about that? What, what am I missing? Give them an opportunity to clarify. Take time to make sure that person can affirm, yes, what you are saying is what I'm feeling. 
Because that's what gives you the right to respond in a way that will be heard when somebody feels they've been actually understood. Does that make sense? So that takes us back to our James 1 passage. Let's say it again. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the rear. Now, how many of you think at times you have problems listening? Oh, we're doing much better. (laughs) Let's commit ourselves to ministering to each other in grace by giving them the gift of hearing them. Father, thank you for this lesson uh, today. Thank you for the reminder in my own life. We don't want to pause and listen and commune with one another, but yet you've called us to that. Father, even as you are constantly aware of us, always willing to hear us, always willing to take on our burdens and our cares because you care for us, may we learn to do that for one another. How miraculous the transformation would be in our relationships if we could just do this one thing, to hear one another in love before we speak to one another in love. And so... Let that be true of us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.